You're listening to the Customer Service Secrets Podcast by Customer. All right, welcome everybody to today's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about marketing and the customer experience. This will be a fun one. To do that, we brought on Dan Gingis. He is currently a speaker and consultant in the customer experience space. Dan, thanks so much for joining and how are you? Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited to talk with you about two of my favorite topics <laughs> and uh, the intersection of them both. Yeah, right. Experience and marketing. That'll be fun to jump into. But before we do, can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself and kind of some of the fun things you've done in the past? Sure. My pleasure. I, uh, I spent more than 20 years in corporate America uh, climbing the ranks and, and having leadership positions at uh, three Fortune 300 companies. I was at McDonald's, Discover, and Humana, uh, mostly in marketing roles, but also in some customer service, customer experience roles. And uh, what I found was that really that that the the key to a great marketing campaign was actually having a great customer experience. Uh, and I got really interested in that and started doing some speaking and research. I wrote a book. I blog, I podcast, all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, about a year ago, I decided I was having a lot more fun doing that stuff than uh, my real job. <laughs> and so I went off on my own and I uh, started my own company. And now uh, speaking and consulting is what I do professionally. And uh, my joke that I like to share with people is I, I enjoy working for the Dan a lot better than I liked working for the man. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, congratulations. Sounds like you've been able to get to a a better place. I would agree. I don't like working for the man either, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So let's, let's get into this conversation. Um, Maybe just start big picture as we think about the intersection of customer experience and marketing. I think a lot of people are like, Whoa, what does he mean by that? Start there. Well, first of all, the the first experience that you have with a company is often some form of marketing. Mm-hmm. You see a TV commercial, you get something in the mail, you get an email, you see them on social media. So that often is how we're introduced to companies. And I would argue that that's a very important introduction. It sets the stage for what we can expect when we do business with this company, what kind of experience we can expect what kind of products and services they offer. Of course, there's the, there's the features and benefits piece, but more and more marketing is also telling us about a brand. Is this brand funny? Is this brand serious? Um, are they going to value my security? Are they, you know, an old brand, a new brand, et cetera. Uh, and so that's where the intersection starts is that it's really the first experience that we have. Um, but one thing changed uh, about, I don't know, we're probably at eight or 10 years ago. And that was the advent of social media. Now I've been in marketing for most of my career. And I mean, starting all the way back in direct mail um, and leading teams in email, website marketing, um, social media, et cetera. And when I first got into social media, the thing that struck me was that it was the first marketing channel where people could talk back to you. Yeah. And if you think about it, we've never been able to talk back to marketing before. You can't talk back to a billboard or to a Super Bowl ad, but well, you can talk back, but no one's going to listen. <laughs> uh, but all of a sudden in social media, people could talk back. I mean, customers had a public voice for the first time ever. And what I believe is that actually set in motion what we are at today, which is this major focus on customer experience, because 
when customers finally got a voice, they said, we're fed up with this. We're, mm. We want better service. Mm. And, and so that's why you saw, especially early days, that most comments on social media about brands were negative. And one of the things I try to teach audiences when I'm speaking and, and my consulting clients is, how do you change that sentiment? How do you get people talking positively about your brand, not just coming to social to, um, to complain? And so the answer to, in my mind, which is that sec- is the second intersection, is by providing a remarkable experience to them that they can't wait to share with their friends and family and social followers. Mm. And so it, it all sort of comes back full circle um, where the if you wanna change the sentiment in social media, the way to do that is not to bombard people with more marketing talking about how great you are. Yeah. The way to do that is to have your customers talk about how great you are because they're a, a lot more believable and authentic. Yeah, Cal. So that's a little bit about that idea. I mean, I think people, when they hear that last part, I'm sure most of us say, oh, got it, right? I mean, yeah, customers would be more authentic than hearing marketing. And, um, but why don't we do it? What, what, what's the thing that's holding most brands back from kind of mastering that idea of pushing the customer first rather than their own voice first? Because if you look at the expenditures at almost any company, all the money is going to sales. It's all going to acquisition of new customers. And meanwhile, we have what I like to call this leaky bucket, right? Where we have customers that are walking out the back door while we're so focused on bringing in new ones. And we're not even paying attention to the people walking out the back door. We don't know why they're leaving. We don't know, uh, you know, we haven't heard anything from them, right? And we've all heard the same stats that it's far more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to keep one. And yet, if you look at budgets, companies are spending eight, nine, ten times as much money on acquiring new customers as they are on making sure that their current customers are happy. Interesting. Right? Interesting. Yep. And so, and, and the thing is, is like, where this gets really weird and you sort of wonder why more companies don't pay attention to this is that the customers who are complaining about your company are actually complaining because they care, yeah. right? They want a resolution. They want to keep doing business with you. They're just unhappy with the, with the service or with right. the experience. The bigger problem is that most customers, when they're unhappy, don't complain. They just leave. They just go to the competitor, right? I don't like one. Uh, my mobile service sucks. I'm going to the competitor. Yeah, yeah. And that's the dangerous part, right? So when people come out into social and they complain, we, we should be listening and responding because these are people that want to stay customers. Yeah. Um, but likewise, the, the flip side is true, which is that, you know, when you are able to change your experience and I, and I give very, I like to give, you know, simple, practical and inexpensive ways to change your experience, to, to turn an ordinary experience into extraordinary, you surprise people and you get people wanting to tell the story because, um, we don't, as consumers, we don't have very many positive Mm. experiences with brands. I mean, I love to do this in front of an audience. I'll say, you know, raise your hand if you remember the last time you were so impressed with an experience with a company that you couldn't wait to tell people about it. And usually I get, you know, three or four hands. Okay. Now raise your hand. If you remember the last time you were disappointed by the experience with a company and almost every hand goes up. So what I like to say is you can be that company that people remember for the good experience. And then you're going to have people talking about 
the good experience and not the bad experience. Do you feel like um, I'm still uh, you, you, you kind of hit me with one of these lines on the we spend so much more on acquisition than we do on um, retainment. Um, is that because um, I mean, obviously, businesses are built like that and focused, but would you typically say, you know, to solve that, Gabe, I recommend organizations kind of think structurally different. I mean, we think of, you know, we have maybe teams that are designed for more acquisition. We don't really have teams like that are marketing, customer marketing or, you know, upsell marketing, however you want to define it in your vertical or niche. Um, is it a structure thing? Is it just a focus thing? Is it a strategy thing? Um, how do you start to coach organizations to do that 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 part better like guys focus on those customers and make them happier and win more yeah i think it's organizational and it's two parts of it that that don't work uh, and they're both related to being siloed so the first part is is that at least in organizations that i've been in that are sales driven organizations the sales numbers are always built assuming a certain amount of attrition. So for example, I was at a company recently where no joke, in order to net a million dollars in sales, they basically had to sell $1.4 million, right? right? Now that is putting way, it's putting undue stress on your sales team. You know, it's, it's these constantly rising sales goals that get harder and harder to achieve every year. But you know what no one's doing? No one's focusing on that $400,000 going out the back door. Right. It's just, it's just, we're assuming, well, you know, we have this attrition and we're going to lose some people Well, we got to make them up because our sales have to go up every year. (laughs) The other part though. Man, you've talked to a few companies, haven't you? I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple, just a couple. Um, But the other part that's structural is that usually the sales cycle ends as soon as the deal is signed. And this can be, you know, B2B or B2C. Correct. Yeah. And there's, and let's think about this for a minute, right? Most people, whether you're B2B or B2C, you buy from people that you like. You establish a relationship with the salesperson. And I mean, very few people buy from people they dislike. So you've established this relationship with the salesperson. You've signed on the dotted line. And two things happen. One, the salesperson goes and celebrates with his team that he just signed a new deal. When he should be celebrating with his new customer, who, you know, like any customer is gonna have some amount of buyer's remorse. So what we want at that moment is confirmation we made a good decision. Hmm. But the other thing that he does is he takes his brand new customer and he hands them off to somebody else (laughs) to go execute on. But the customer came because they liked the salesperson. Right. And so now it's like, well, I've been working with John and John set me up and John's made all these great promises to me. And now I'm going to sign on the dotted line with John. And then John says, all right, thanks so much. Here's Sally. Right. right. It's like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know who Sally is. I don't want to work with Sally. I want to work with John. And so those are the two things to me that, that cause um, undue stress on organizations and on their customers. Yeah, interesting. See, I'm getting amped up. At no, that. man, it's true. Well, you you're, 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 you're preaching truth. <laughs> you're preaching truth, brother. You know, um, do you? Um, what are some of the other? I mean, I'm actually now like trying to learn for myself, um, and I need to make sure I focus probably on the audience a little bit. But um, your re- your your talk track actually resonating. I'm like, oh, geez, I totally do this. So I need to rethink some of my strategies. But when you were talking earlier, you mentioned there's some simple, inexpensive kind of tips and tricks you do to help people think through some of this 
stuff a little bit more effectively. Bringing that back in, anything kind of top of mind, simple, that you're like, okay, Gabe, here's a couple brass tacks I could leave for the audience as they think about really up-leveling the customer experience for their current clientele. So I'm glad you asked that. I um, often move to real life examples in okay. order to answer questions like this because I think that they're, um, they're just easy to relate to. I'm going to give you an example that actually happened last night. So I have not ever used this on stage or on my podcast or anything yet. <laughs> okay. Oh, first yesterday one, was my, yesterday was my son's 14th birthday. Congrats. And he asked to go to a steakhouse for dinner. Okay. So we booked a table through open table. Okay. And we noted in the reservation that it was my son's birthday. We walked into the restaurant and as soon as we checked in, they handed my son a birthday card. You're kidding. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, that is brilliant. And they also said, you know, like, well, enjoy your meal. We're going to have something special for you later, right? And, and, and they ended up, at the end of the meal, they brought out, not a cake, they, they brought out a, um, a box of uh, homemade bonbons and a, and a, with a sparkler on them and, a, and you know, it said happy birthday, Mark, and whatever. It was really cool. But it was actually the card that got me because I was like, man, that is so easy. How many companies know the birthday of their clients and do nothing with it. Yeah. And here they just, they didn't even get it from us, right? They got it from open table. Wow. We go through open table. We mentioned it was a birthday and boom, a birthday card. Now that is a simple inexpensive way to really up level the experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, it will now be one of the examples that I share. <laughs> of course they took pictures because that's, that's what you do when you're a customer experience guy. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, there's other ways to do that. I look a lot. I love um, communication, words, signage. I think uh, it's a, I was a college journalist for a while. And so I love writing. And, and the words that we use are so important. And yet we don't spend enough time on them. Hmm. So if, you're, if you have a physical establishment, I always recommend, you know, read all of the signage that's in and around your physical establishment. Is it communicating what you actually want to communicate to customers? Or can you have it something, can you communicate something better? Yeah. Um, also, this goes for digital communication too. One of my favorite examples that's in my book is a company called iFlix, which is a Asian competitor to Netflix. Yeah. Now iFlix, when they send out emails from their corporate email, like many companies at the bottom of the email, there's a legal disclaimer. Yeah. You've probably read it before. It says, you know, if you're the unintended recipient of this, you need to delete it immediately sure. or we take your children. Right. <laughs> okay. But this one doesn't say that this one actually starts off with three words in all caps covering our butts. Hmm. Now I ask you, if you see a disclaimer that says covering our butts, what are you going to do? <laughs> Probably going to read, Probably read it. Probably read it. Right? Because you're like, wow, that got my attention. And if you read this disclaimer on iFlix's emails, the whole thing is hilarious. And it's very clear that it was written by both a lawyer and a creative person. Hmm. Because the, right, the legal words are all in there. Um, and even when there was a word where I could just imagine the fight going on, they used the word disseminate, right? And I'm sure the market is like, no one knows what disseminate means. <laughs> and so they wrote in parentheses, it means spread. Because they knew that people wouldn't know what it meant, right? And so the whole thing is brilliant. And it's taking a, an ex a part of the experience on our podcast, we call it required remarkable, right? It's a required part of your business 
which is the legal disclaimers, but it's making it remarkable. It's making it, can you imagine someone sharing your legal disclaimer on Facebook saying, I love this company. This is so cool. Right. But no one ever even thinks about. Yeah. And that is, it was free for them to do that. It, It literally no cost, maybe an hour of somebody's time, you know, some creative person's time to rewrite it, but there's no physical cost. Uh, And so the ways that we communicate to people can have a huge effect on how we feel about a company and the experience that we have. And, you know, a lot of times today you make someone laugh or you, uh, you know, you just sort of give them something that they can smile at and and they're along for the ride with you. They, they're, you know, they love you and they, and they want to keep doing business with you. Yeah. That just feels so much more authentic, authentic, you know, um, the legal, I've thought of some interesting things, I think to kind of change the customer experience, but I'll be the first one to admit, I never considered messing with my legalese in my emails. So I might have to take that one for heart. Um, <laughs> that is, that's extremely creative, but I like it. You're right. You look at some of those buying journey steps and that certainly is one of them. Um, Legal with creative. All right. Well, um, I know our time is short. Dan, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, Interesting talk track on bringing together marketing and that customer experience. I like the idea that, yeah, you're right. Marketing has a power in the brand. So does customer experience, how you bring it together. If somebody wants to get in touch with you or learn a little bit more about all the fun things you're doing, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Um, visit my website, which is dangingas.com. It's Dan, G-I-N-G-I-S-S.com. Or uh, hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter, where I spend much of my day uh, <laughs> engaging with people. Um, I love to do that. So at dangingas on Twitter, and uh, you can just search for my name on LinkedIn. I'm the only one there with that name. And I uh, would love, always love to connect with people. Um, I send out a uh, every other week newsletter uh, where I just share customer experience stories and articles and, and tips and, you know, just try to, um, you know, give people good content that, uh, that gives them ideas. Um, and I always try to focus on ideas that you can take back to the office yeah. and do tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So you can, you can go look at your legalese tomorrow. That's something easy to do. Um, I try to stay away from, there are some wonderful customer experience examples you know, from very, very, very big companies who have lots of money to spend and they're great stories, but they're not practical for most companies. And so, you know, hopefully somebody even in this conversation takes back something that says, you know what, I can, I can go to work tomorrow and, and do that at my company. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, Hey, really appreciate you taking the time. Fun talk track. And for the audience, wish you a fantastic day. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to hear more customer service secrets.